Hey there everyone, Michael A. Bryan here from the Oraculous School of Astrology and I'm here with next week's astrology for September 18th to September 24th, 2023. I can't wait to dive into the astrology of the week ahead for you, but before we do that, I just want to let you know some of the amazing things we have coming up here at the Oraculous School of Astrology. Now, as all of you know, we have recently launched our two-year professional astrologer's diploma program, and it is an amazing program where I teach you all the things that you need to know in order to dive into professional client-based practice. Now, what often happens annually whenever we launch this program is after the first week of classes, people say, oh my God, Michael, I didn't know that it was happening, or I forgot the deadline, or I forgot the date to sign up. Please, 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 can I join? I just want to let you all know that yes most definitely you still can join this week after the program has started and this is the last week that you'll be able to join the program because once we get into a groove of how the actual program is going to be built then it's kind of difficult to change that to add new people so if you do want to catch the bandwagon this year to join our two-year professional astrologers diploma program then this is absolutely your final week to do so because from here on in we're going to be diving deep with the cohort that we currently have and you know i guess i'll just see you next year so that's the very first thing also for those of you who are interested this first semester of our professional astrologers diploma program is also going to be the first semester of our medical astrology diploma program because everything at the oraculous school of astrology begins with the same foundational course which is called the foundations of classical astrology this is the course that my book mastering traditional astrology a depth of beginning in the celestial art is based on and that also means that this year is going to be the first year that we actually have a textbook in terms of my own writing to guide our students through this installment of our professional astrologers diploma program so if you want to join the magic and the momentum of our current professional astrologers diploma program then once again this is the last week that you have to do that because from here on out we're going to be diving deep with our current cohort into the heart of concrete event-based astrology and you don't want to miss it so that's the very first thing secondly as you all have been seeing we have been coming out with robust content and material both on our youtube channel at the oraculos podcast but also on spotify and stitcher and apple podcasts and it's something that I'm really feeling super passionate about. I was very dedicated to the YouTube channel for a very long time, but now I've switched my attention to Apple Podcasts as well as to Spotify so that we can build our community of listeners on those platforms as well. So if you haven't done so already, please do subscribe to the Oraculos podcast on Spotify as well as on Apple Podcasts. And if you have learned anything from me here at the Oraculos podcast that has enriched your own astrological practice, then please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify because I recently was informed that that's actually something that's important because otherwise the algorithm won't really let people know about the amazing content that we're coming out with consistently here at the Oraculos School of Astrology. So if you want to be a part of this wonderful momentum that we're building, then by all means, please do hit us up 
on those platforms, as well as leave a review about what you love the most about your experience of being a part of our Oraculos community. And as always, if you haven't already done so, please do subscribe to the Oraculos podcast on YouTube and also hit the notification bell so that you can receive notifications of when I come out with these videos. And I used to say of when I came out with these videos and with these episodes on a weekly basis, but as you can see, we're coming out with them daily. So please do hit the notification bell, subscribe to the Oraculous podcast so that you can stay in the loop with all of the magical things that we're doing here at the Oraculous School of Astrology. Now, Without further ado, here is your astrology forecast for the week of September 18th to September 24th, 2023. As many of you know, I used to leave the moon out of the monthly forecast, and the reason for that is because the monthly forecast is a very unwieldy sort of thing. When you put the moon in a monthly forecast, you pretty much end up with a three-hour-long forecast, and in the words of Sweets Brown, Ain't nobody got time for that. So I never used to actually include the moon in our monthly forecast, but now that we're breaking it down into something that feels a little bit more digestible on a week-by-week basis, I thought, why not include Mother Moon in terms of the astrology of the week ahead? So on September 18th at 12.57 a.m. EDT, we have the moon ingressing into the sign of her fall, which is Scorpio. There's an aphorism by Jean-Baptiste Mohan de Villefranche, who was a 17th century astrologer, mathematician, and doctor. And he said that when a planet is essentially debilitated, it is debilitated for the entire world. And what that means is that any planet, whether it is a benefic planet, Venus, Jupiter, or the moon, or whether it is a specifically malefic planet such as Mars or Saturn, any planet that is essentially debilitated is essentially debilitated for everyone and therefore also showing up as a malefic for everyone. It can manifest as not necessarily being the sort of astrological atmosphere that you want to initiate anything in because under the auspices of a moon such as this, it can feel very rough around the edges and the things that we're doing under the moon in Scorpio may not necessarily feel as if they have the right sort of nourishment or the right sort of astrological nutrients in order to really flourish and thrive within the world. So that's what it could feel like when we have the moon in Scorpio just from a collective perspective. Now, from a hoary astrology perspective, the moon in Scorpio was thought of as being one of the negative omens in terms of reading a horary chart, especially with the moon in the beginning degrees of Scorpio because of what is known as the via combusta. So with the moon ingressing into Scorpio on this day, September 18th at 12.57 a.m. EDT, the moon is essentially in the via combusta. The via combusta means the burning road, and that burning road spans the distance between 15 degrees Libra and 15 degrees of Scorpio. And this is thought of as one of the most malefic parts of heaven because this is not just the fall of the sun in Libra and the fall of the moon in Scorpio, but it's also representing the absolute opposite conditions 
that the luminaries need in order for them to create life abundantly. Now, we know that when the sun is in Aries, the sign of his exaltation, that is the sun in the youth of his life or in the morning of his life, rushing up and saying to the world, now it is time for life to once again proliferate. However, when the sun descends into Libra, that is known as the fall of the sun, which is essentially saying that this is a time when the solar power or the solar expression of the universal life force energy is now beginning to dwindle and fade. And as a result of that, the world around us is also going through a period of death and dying. So that's why Libra is considered to be a part of this via combustor, but also Scorpio is considered to be a part of the via combustor because Scorpio is opposite to the moon's exaltation in Taurus. And there's this passage within the writings of Claudius Ptolemy in his Tetrabiblos, where he says that when the sun is in Aries and the moon is waxing in Taurus, then that represents a very auspicious year in general. So in other words, when we're having the Aries ingress of the sun, which as we all know, tends to be considered globally as the astrological new year. There are some people who think that the astrological new year should begin on December 21st with the sun's ingress into Capricorn. And from an astronomical perspective, we really can't blame them because it does seem to make more sense for the sun ingressing into Capricorn to be the actual astrological new year. However, we're not here to discuss the astrological politics of when the astrological new year begins. The point is that if the sun is ingressing into Aries and at the same time the moon is in her exaltation in Taurus, that's considered to be an omen for a very auspicious year ahead. Therefore, if the sun has descended into Libra and the moon is similarly in Scorpio, then that's representing a very negative or a very challenging omen in terms of that given time period. The point of all of this is that the moon in Scorpio is a very challenging thing. We have that coming up on the 18th of September. And very often from a felt sense reality of what that feels like, it can feel as if we're moving through a period of sure isolation, and it can feel as if we're moving through a period where we don't necessarily have access to the sorts of resources around us in order to thrive. So this can be a period of time in which we're feeling a very strong sense of anxiety, or it might feel as if we don't have our life together, or we might have one of the minor crises that we tend to have sometimes on a daily or even a weekly basis. This can be a period of time when you're feeling that sort of way. So if you're feeling that sort of way when this moon is ingressing, into Scorpio, then give yourself the moment to sit back, relax, meditate, do some Reiki, do something that gives you the ability to feel a sense of calm and stability within your life because the moon ingressing into Scorpio can create an atmosphere of fear within the world at large. Now, from a medical astrology perspective, the moon in Scorpio can oftentimes manifest and for those of you listening to me who knows my particular shtick about astrology in general, you know that I tend not to be a signs of the zodiac based person. However, it doesn't change the fact that for hundreds of years before my birth, astrology had already moved into more of a signs of the zodiac based perspective. 
And so from a medical astrology perspective, what is commonly thought of when we have the moon in Scorpio is that could manifest as issues with the bladder and issues with the urinary system in general, as if that part of the body's excretory mechanism could be having some sort of malfunction or could be having something that's causing it to not work appropriately or causing us to have urinary tract infections or causing us not necessarily to have the healthiest urinary system in the world. So even though this doesn't necessarily have to be the case for everyone in the world, if you have that combination in your natal chart and that's something that you find manifesting in your life, especially if your moon is afflicted by other planets on top of that, then this can be the astrological rationale behind why that particular thing is manifesting for you. And from a perspective that isn't so rooted within our bladder. This could also just have to do with how we're processing toxins in general. One of the things that we find when people have the moon in Scorpio within their natal charts, and once again, I really don't enjoy <laughs> speaking in this way because I really feel as if as a community we need to move towards a more robust understanding of planet-to-planet -planet interaction and so I don't really want for the sound bites to be that Michael Bryan said that when you have the moon in Scorpio blah blah however I'm going to say it while encrouching that within the large reality that we must know more about how planets interact with each other than specifically how planets interact when they're in a specific sign of the zodiac. So, when the moon is in Scorpio, one of the things that people can oftentimes feel, especially when that moon is in Scorpio and very afflicted by other hard aspects from other malefic planets within their chart, that person can feel as if they are the repository of a lot of the toxicity that occurs within their domestic life. And as if they themselves have been elected by their families to be the reservoir of all of the trauma and all of the pain and all of the filth that goes on within a particular family unit. So if you are a person who has this sort of signature within your chart, as well as that moon in Scorpio being afflicted by hard aspects from other planets, such as moon opposite Neptune, moon square Saturn, moon quincunx Pluto, and all of those things are descending upon your particular story of your moon in Scorpio, then this could be a part of the reason why that part of your domestic affairs has manifested in such a challenging way for you within this lifetime. So, 18th of September, not necessarily starting off as the best day in the world, and because we know that the moon moves at a rate of approximately 12 degrees in 24 hours, we know that this moon in Scorpio is going to be in effect pretty much for the rest of the day. So, 18th of September isn't really looking like the most auspicious time in the world, but that's how the astrological cookie is crumbling. Now we move on to the 19th of September where the astrological cookie has crumbled from bad 
to worst <laughs> because on the 19th of September, we have the sun in an opposition relationship with Neptune and that's occurring at 7.17 a.m. EDT. We have the sun at 26 degrees Virgo, opposing Neptune at 26 degrees of Pisces. So these two days back to back aren't necessarily looking like what the doctor ordered for you to have a good day in the sun. Sun Neptune is one of the things that we, from a neoclassical astrological perspective, look for within the context of medical astrology assessment. And I dare say it's one of the top five things we would look for from a medical astrology perspective because when a person is having sun neptune it can create a very real sense of that person's vital power fading away or it can create a very real sense of that person not necessarily feeling as if they have the best internal defenses to deal with the onslaught of life Sun Neptune can manifest as a person having a very weak or a very sensitive constitution in general. And so it can represent somebody having a frail constitution or that they don't feel as if they have the strongest immunity or that they feel as if everything that occurs within their environment feels like a direct onslaught to their specific soul and psyche because the physical vehicle that they have been incarnated in in this lifetime is one that makes them feel as if they're not necessarily safe or like they're missing a fundamental level of armor or protection that other people have around them. So Sun Neptune can feel like us having holes within our aura. And Dr. William Davidson, who was a medical astrologer who operated within the 1960s, is known for having said that Sun Neptune literally creates holes within the auric field or the electromagnetic field of a person. So a day of Sun Neptune in general is a malefic day as far as our personal health is concerned. And therefore, we probably want to bolster our own immunity on a day like this. And we probably want to give ourselves the latitude and the space not to engage in things that are overly strenuous, but to really dedicate ourselves to a day of self-care. Now, I listened to the last week ahead forecast and I was like geez Louise Michael you're so negative and so looking for something wonderful to say about the Sun Neptune and I assure you that it's going to take some heavy lifting because I usually don't have the best things in the world to say about Sun Neptune but give me a moment let me reflect with my guides Sun Neptune can make a person be more spiritual and more refined in terms of how they're navigating their way through the world around them. So if you want to use this day to dedicate yourself to some specifically spiritual endeavor, then it's a wonderful day for that. If you want to use this day to dedicate yourself to something that completely nullifies your specific sense of your ego as a structure by itself, then today is a wonderful day for that. And we can do that through participating in volunteer work. Volunteer work is one of the best ways for us to step out of our own way, but also for us to step out of the tiny, isolated expression of who we are as individuals into a sense of giving back 
to the collective. Days of Sun Neptune are days when we can't really expect any personal level of success. So it's not a good day to launch your business. It's not a good day to send out that newsletter to ask people to join your two-year professional astrologer's diploma program. It's not a good day to do anything that you specifically want to be encroached with this larger spirit of successfulness because Sun Neptune is the exact opposite of success. And last week, I spoke about how this also manifests through Mars-Neptune because Mars-Neptune is the combination of mistaken action. Therefore, it's not necessarily a combination of success. But this is also something that manifests through Saturn-Neptune in combination because Saturn and Neptune, just like the Sun and Neptune, are directly antithetical to each other. So whereas the Sun represents vitality, Neptune represents everything that diminishes our personal vitality, which is why Sun Neptune oftentimes comes up within very specific medical astrology cases where a person has a recurring illness or disease. And similarly, Saturn Neptune, Saturn is representing the structures necessary in life for us to actually feel secure within the world. And Neptune is representing all of the things that directly diminish and that directly take the air out of those structures. And that's why Saturn and Neptune is also such a potent medical astrology combination that we do also look out for as being very prominent within the charts of people who have very complex medical histories. So Sun Neptune and Saturn Neptune are both very debilitating from a medical astrology perspective, but they are also both debilitating from the perspective of us doing anything that we want to be particularly successful. So it's a good day to give back purely because you receive a sense of spiritual exaltation in the act of giving back, but it's not necessarily a good day to do something that has a direct connection to your ego or that has a direct relationship to what you want to be successful within the world around you. Now, from a mundane astrology perspective, Sun Neptune has to do with the lying politician. And one might say, Michael, that's an oxymoron. <laughs> for all the reasons why those two words just naturally go together in general. However, Sun-Neptune can have to do with deception within the government. If we pull ourselves out and really focus on this from a mundane astrology perspective, the Sun has to do with heads of government, heads of state, the monarch, the king, and all things associated with leadership. And Neptune has to do with the ways in which sometimes leaders can get themselves in problems that become evident for the entire world around them to see. So today is the day for the fallen leader. Today is the day for the leader who's caught in their lies. Today is the day where we might be finding out information on a global level that really strikes a chord of distrust within our hearts in relationship to the people who are meant to be in places of authority and leadership within the world at large. So once again, September 19th is feeling like an extension of September 18th insofar as it's not feeling all that good. Similarly, on this day, we have the Sun in the Quincunx relationship with the North Node. Sun Node is wonderful in terms of us establishing wonderful, deep, 
personal physical connections with others, the sun representing the physicality, the node representing connections. Sun node is wonderful for all things having to do with physical connections. However, on September 19th at 9.18 a.m., we have the sun in the quincunx relationship with the north node, and sun quincunx node can have to do with us forming connections that don't feel good for us. And it can have to do with us forming alliances that aren't actually the best alliances that we should be making within our lives. And this could be something that we find ourselves experiencing on an individual level, but it can also be something that we find ourselves experiencing on a global level. So not only do the leaders look like they aren't trustworthy or dependable on this day, but probably there are alliances being formed that we are also very mindful are the wrong alliances that are being made and all the world can see it, but we might be fed a particular narrative that yes, this is exactly how it should be, this is the way how it should go, because if this alliance isn't formed, then some greater catastrophe might happen. However, that doesn't necessarily seem to be the truth on a day like this. And also on a day like this, all of the worlds might be able to see between the layers of BS that might be occurring from leaders in high places. So that is also happening on September 19th. Also on this day, we have Mars in a quincunx relationship with Jupiter, and that's happening at 6.47 p.m. EDT. Mars-Jupiter is one of the best combinations that anyone can ever desire to have in the world in general. And the reason for that is because Mars-Jupiter has to do with the successful effort. Jupiter representing success, Mars representing effort. So we love a Mars-Jupiter day in general. However, the quincunx is one of the most atrocious relationships two planets can have with each other. So what we oftentimes find within the quincunx is a defilement of even the best relationships between the best of planets. So on a day like this, where we're having the Mars quincunx Jupiter, there might be an excess of energy, an excess of power, an excess of force, all towards negative ends or an excess of force towards a direction where we should not be investing our efforts or our energy at all. And once again, we've already seen the day stacked up in such a way whereas our leaders are doing some unsavory things. So on this day, when we also have the Mars in a quincunx relationship with Jupiter, it feels as if there is a rushing towards a particular finish line that we need not be rushing towards in general. And all the world around us might be saying, whoa, 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 why are we rushing so strongly or so quickly in order to pass this threshold when everybody can see the danger that lies ahead and everybody can see the deception and the challenges that lie ahead of us should we choose to take this particular course of action. However, today seems to be stacked in such a way where it doesn't necessarily look like the best day in the world, and it also is feeling like a day where we are overexerting ourselves energetically towards ends that need not be accomplished at all. And for some people, that can feel like success. But the question becomes, success at what 
cost. Because very often, we might attain success in one sphere of our lives, but within another sphere of our lives, we descend into certain calamity because the successes that we were rushing so strongly after were successes that were inappropriate. So September 19th, is looking like a doozy all around. Mars, Jupiter, from a medical astrology perspective, once again, we love that for ourselves. We love to see a Mars square, Jupiter, Mars, trine, Jupiter, Mars, conjunct, Jupiter, Mars, contra, parallel, parallel, Jupiter. We love to see Mars, Jupiter in all of its articulations because it creates an abundance of universal life force energy within us that oftentimes is helpful in terms of us bouncing back from infection and disease. However, at the same time, since this is Mars quincunx Jupiter, that can represent a person who has a tendency for inflammation and who has a tendency of falling into an inflammatory response within their bodies more often than not. And that can predispose a person to constantly getting fevers. That can predispose a person to constantly having eruptions or rashes, hot, angry rashes on their skin because of that excess of inflammation this person is having. And since we know that Jupiter is having to do with the liver specifically from a medical astrology perspective, then the Mars-Jupiter combination can also manifest as an inflammation of the liver. And inflammation and a swelling of the liver is what we can find through Mars-Jupiter from a medical astrology perspective. Mars and Jupiter also has to do with our body's fundamental level of muscular force or muscular power in general. And since we know that Jupiter is ruling the sign of the zodiac Sagittarius, then that means that Jupiter is also having dominion over the parts of the body that is falling within the domain of Sagittarius from an anatomical perspective. So Jupiter is ruling our femur as a bone within our body, but it's also ruling the muscles that are surrounding the femur, the vastus lateralis, vastus medialis, vastus intermedius, rectus femoris, which are the quadricep muscles in the front. It's also ruling the big hamstring muscles in the back of the thigh, the biceps femoris, the semimembranosus, the semitendinosus. It's also ruling the muscles of the inner legs, the gracilis, the pectineus, all of these muscles that we find surrounding this femur bone. And resultantly, Mars-Jupiter in this quincunx relationship can also manifest as pain within the thighs. And I don't know if this is just a 21st century thing, but more often than not, when people have specific pain within their hips and their thighs, that's oftentimes having to do with sciatic pain. So Mars-Jupiter in the quincunx relationship can also manifest as sciatica from a medical astrology perspective. That doesn't mean that the entire world is going to descend into sciatic spasms on the 19th of September, but it is important for us to be able to understand what the various planetary combinations can deliver to us, not just from the perspective of our psychological orientation to life, but also based on how those things manifest within us on a physiological level. 
Now, moving on through to the 20th of September, we have the moon in a sextile relationship with Pluto, and that is the last aspect she will be making on this day. So we have the moon at 27 degrees of Scorpio in a sextile relationship with Pluto at 27 degrees of Capricorn, and that is happening at 6.21 a.m. I have a lot to say about Moon Pluto. However, later on in the month, we're going to have the hard aspect of the Moon and Pluto. So I'll reserve what I have to say about the Moon Pluto then, because I have an entire book of information to share about the Moon Pluto. So stick around so that you hear about the Moon Pluto conjunction that's coming up on the 24th of September. But since we're talking about the Moon Pluto sextile, what lovely things can be said about the Moon Pluto? On the one hand, Moon Pluto can give a person intestinal fortitude, which we know is kind of a figure of speech. When somebody says that they have intestinal fortitude, what they mean is that they have the determination and the stamina in order to do the job that needs to be done. So Moon Pluto can give a person that. However, from a medical astrology perspective, the moon Pluto can literally give somebody intestinal fortitude in terms of the physiological functioning of their body. And this is moon in a soft aspect with Pluto because moon in hard aspect with Pluto is definitely not giving anybody intestinal fortitude at all. And this is even more so the case the more afflicted that moon happens to be within that person's chart, which we will talk about on the 24th of September when we talk about the quincunx oive, not the quincunx. Do you see how hardwired I am to speak about quincunxes? We will talk about that on the 24th of September when we talk about the moon in her conjunction with Pluto. Stay tuned, don't go anywhere. So, moon sextile Pluto, moon shrine Pluto can give a person intestinal fortitude metaphorically speaking as well as literally speaking that person can eat a king cobra and still live to tell the tale because they have a gut that has the ability to process most things that they put into it. Moon Pluto can also give somebody the ability to dance within dark and potentially very challenging spheres of life. And so this is something that we find showing up within the charts of people who are doing deep, dark, dirty work in general that other people in general may not necessarily think of as their idea of a good time. So we find Moon Pluto being present within the charts of death doulas. We find Moon Pluto being present within the charts of hospice workers. We find Moon Pluto being present within the charts of, I'm thinking about a scene <laughs> from Grey's Anatomy, but we find Moon Pluto being present within the charts of butt doctors, doctors who specifically focus on the rectum and the anus and the various afflictions and ailments that might happen within that part of the excretory system. So, Moon Pluto allows us to get deep into, I was going to say the filth, but I think that after just talking about the butt doctor, talking about filth probably isn't the most kosher or the most PC thing in the world. But the Moon Pluto gives us the ability to be able to navigate some of the more dirty parts of life 
or parts of life that societally seem to be dirty because there's nothing wrong with your buttocks. There's nothing wrong at all with the anus as a part of the body. It is a wonderful part of our anatomy and physiology and it's something that we should honor. As a matter of fact, I'm remembering many moons ago, moons, no pun intended, but many moons ago as a child, I came across a book on traditional Chinese medicine and the doctor who wrote this book was of the impression that's a part of why the diagnosis of hemorrhoids is such a big part of Western culture is because we have shunned our anus to being something that we don't talk about, to being a part of our bodies that we don't interact with. And therefore, because we hold that part of our body and the excretory system in general with such a level of disdain, that's why we're having so many issues in the West in terms of that part of our constitution. And so there is this thought also within Ayurveda and within traditional Chinese medicine, that when a person has hemorrhoids, they should do things naked with their anus facing the east so that the anus could receive the rays of the sun because there is something very healing and therapeutic about sunlight in general. And when we walk around all day fully clothed, especially when we have issues with that part of the body, one of the fundamental things that we need to receive is sunlight within a part of ourselves that doesn't tend to receive sunlight at all. That went down a very <laughs> interesting, interesting trajectory. I'm not sure we're going to keep that in the recording, but the point of the matter is that Moon Pluto gives us the ability to love all the parts of ourselves, even the parts of ourselves that societally seem to be taboo or even the parts of ourselves that socially aren't necessarily things that we care to talk about very much. And what we should know is that the things that we don't talk about, the parts of our body that we don't show love to, the parts of our constitution that we would rather shun to the corner and stuff away in a dark box, those are the places where dis-ease and where affliction usually manifests because of our unwillingness to share light with those parts of our constitution as well. Moon Pluto on the 20th of September gives us the ability to take the light into dark places and that could possibly be very wonderful from the perspective of therapy and being involved in a therapeutic process where we are taking a deep dive into parts of our constitution that give us a cathartic release. That could also be good just in terms of journaling. Maybe you want to journal and write down where are parts of my life where I don't shed enough light. And maybe that's something that you're feeling driven to do. And this is a wonderful time to begin that level of deep, dark, introspection because there's also nothing wrong with the dark. You know, I, I'm using these words that we associate with Pluto, the depth, the darkness, but very often there's a peace that we find when we dive into those dark places because very often the deeper we dive into parts of our life that feel dark or that feel forbidden, all we find in those places is more of who we truly are. And when we can reclaim those parts of ourselves, it gives us a deep sense of spiritual satisfaction, but it also gives us a deeper sense of being integrated as human beings. So 
those people who are doing those moon Pluto jobs are usually people who have the ability to navigate all that life has to throw their way because they haven't actually turned their back on parts of life that they are afraid of, but they have embraced those parts of life as being natural parts of our human experience. The next thing that we have coming up on September 20th at 10.05 a.m. EDT is the moon ingressing into Sagittarius. So it might seem unjustified for me to have gone so deeply into all of that brouhaha about the moon Pluto for something that isn't even going to last that long. However, I'm using this as an opportunity to provide you all with an education in terms of astrology in general, as well as in terms of the various ways these combinations of stellar influences can manifest within the life of a person individually, but also some of the larger ways how they manifest in life in general. On the 20th of September, we have the moon ingressing into Sagittarius. And in general, the moon doesn't really have that much essential dignity in Sagittarius, except for in the second 10 degrees of Sagittarius, where we know that the moon is dignified by having face or by having Deccan rulership. And if you've ever seen the tarot card, the Nine of Wands, which is the card that is meant to describe the moon in Sagittarius, you know just how unimpressive <laughs> the moon in the second 10 degrees of Sagittarius can be because that card is considered to be a lord of great force. And the reason for that is because it takes a lot of force in order for us to hold together the structure of something that we needn't be holding together at all. So the moon in the second 10 degrees of Sagittarius is a very complicated place for the moon to be. Fortunately, this is not the moon in the second 10 degrees of Sagittarius. Now there's an aphorism in traditional astrology, and as you all know, I'm nothing if not the aphorism king. There's an aphorism within traditional astrology that states that the moon in Sagittarius and Pisces isn't really strong at all. However, because she receives the ruler of Sagittarius and Pisces in her own sign of Cancer, i.e. Jupiter has his exaltation in Cancer, because she receives the ruler of Sagittarius and Pisces in her own sign of Cancer, therefore Jupiter extends to the moon in Sagittarius as well as in Pisces some measure of strength or some measure of essential dignity. Be that as it may, that's not actually measurable. We don't actually know how much essential dignity the moon in Sagittarius is afforded, especially in zero degrees of Sagittarius. So I don't like to throw around things that we can't actually measure. So we will go ahead and say that this moon in Sagittarius is peregrine. Now, when we have the moon in Sagittarius, it can create a sense of us wanting to move at a rapid fire level. So on this day, the 20th of September at 10.05 a.m. EDT, you might experience a quickening in the air around you. And that quickening may be a very good thing. 
That quickening may feel as if you're getting things done. It might feel as if you're moving through the day in a very robust and in a very energized way, but it could also feel as if you don't necessarily have the architecture or the infrastructure for taking deep and resounding rest at this time. So since you know that this is probably going to be the case, probably don't drink that cup of coffee at this time, but ride the larger universal tides of the moon in one of Jupiter's domiciles and allow that to take you through the day in terms of giving you the speed and the agility and the ability that you need in order to get things done because it could feel as if the air around you is very highly stimulated at this time. Now, from a medical astrology perspective, the moon in Sagittarius is having to do with the hips. And once again, earlier we spoke about the various parts of the hip and we spoke about the large muscles of the thighs, both in the front of the thighs, as well as in the back of the thighs, as well as the inner thighs. And so moon in Sagittarius, especially if that is afflicted within the context of a person's natal chart, can have to do with issues surrounding the hips and these large muscles of the hips and thighs, fastus lateralis, fastus medialis. I gave you a whole list of them earlier. And if you want to learn more about the association that this part of the body is having with both Jupiter and also what it means for the moon to be in this domicile, then you could check out our medical astrology diploma program, which you still have one more week to sign up for. So that's the moon in Sagittarius and how that manifests both psychologically as well as within the realities of our physical body. I think that it's important to say that from a traditional medical astrology perspective, and I'm speaking about medieval medical astrology, Renaissance medical astrology, from a traditional medical astrology perspective, the sign of the zodiac that a planet might be in indicates the part of the body where a particular affliction might be manifesting. So, so we don't necessarily need to memorize the moon in the 12 signs of the zodiac, the sun in the 12 signs of the zodiac, Mercury in the 12 signs of the zodiac, and all of these things, because the sign of the zodiac that a planet might be in is already representing that part of the body in general, and it will manifest as an affliction within that part of the body if that planet is afflicted while within that sign. So for example, if we have the moon in Sagittarius, but the moon in Sagittarius is being squared by Mars, then that can manifest as sharp shooting pains within the thigh of a person that could be associated directly with sciatica. Similarly, if we're having any planet whatsoever in Gemini, say for example, we have Mars in Gemini and that Mars in Gemini is applying to the square of Neptune in Pisces, then that can manifest as an issue within the lungs of a person and on a larger structural perspective, that can manifest as an issue within the arms and hands of a person. But more often than not, when we hear the Gemini connection, that's more so manifesting within the respiratory system of a person and not necessarily within the arms and hands being afflicted, even though we know that the arms and hands are also falling 
under this category that Gemini creates. So that's just something to note in general. Now moving on to the 21st of September, we have the Sun in the trine relationship with Pluto, and that is occurring at 1.20 a.m. EDT. Once again, whenever an aspect of the Sun is occurring, that becomes a flavor of what we can expect for the entire day. So that's just something to bear in mind in general, that this is largely the overarching flavor that we can expect within this entire day. In general, the Sun Pluto is having to do with power. Pluto is having to do with power in general. The sun is having to do with the way how we make things manifest. Whenever we see the sun in a direct combination with anything, we can think about the sun representing the body, or we can think about the sun as representing a force that makes things physical, because that's what the sun does. The sun allows for all of us to be here within this human existence, individualized and in radiant expression. And that is the imprint of the solar influence upon all of our lives, that each of us should have an individual body that is inalienable in general, from another body around us. So there will never become a point in time in which you stand close to someone and that person's body begins to melt into your body and your body starts to melt into that person's body because from a spiritual perspective, the purpose of the sun is to give all of us an individual container within which to live, breathe, and have our being. And therefore, having the sun as a part of any astrological configuration has to do with things that are made manifest and things that have a bodily reality within the physical world around us. So, Sun Pluto has to do with the physical manifestation of power. And because this is a trine relationship, the Sun Pluto can give a person an excessive amount of resilience, quite similar to the Moon Pluto, Moon Pluto in soft aspect. Sun Pluto can give a person an excessive amount of resilience in order to fend themselves against the larger onslaught, both the psychic and the physical onslaught of life around them. So Sun Pluto, particularly Sun in soft aspect with Pluto, can be something that gives a person a very robust constitution in general. From a more mundane astrological perspective, the Sun Pluto is representing great leaders within the world that are standing up or that are stepping forward into the forefront of roles of leadership and authority. And today can be a day where someone, one individual, is stepping up into a positive role of leadership and authority, and that's something that's catching our global consciousness. So that's something that we want to be mindful of on this day, the 21st of September because that combination is definitely something that gives somebody a more robust constitution that allows them to have the endurance necessary to do things in life that other people might find to be quite difficult or quite challenging. Now moving on through to the 22nd of September, we have Mercury in a sesquiquadrate relationship with the North Node, and that's occurring at 3.28 a.m. EDT. So we can consider that to be a bit of a background influence on this day, the 22nd of September, but be that as it may, Mercury Node is a wonderful combination for us to establish connections, intimate connections, with younger people.
Now, we get that because the nodes in general have to do with intimate connections, especially when we're using them from a more planet-to-planet -planet based astrological perspective. The nodes have to do with intimate connections, and Mercury very often is our universal significator for younger people within our lives. So the combination of Mercury Sasquatch quadrate node can have to do with us learning from younger people around us things that we probably didn't already know to begin with. And that's something that me, at my ripe old age of 31 years old, I'm realizing that I also benefit from hearing things that people who are 20 or 21 years old have to say, especially when it comes to this wild world of technology that I'm still kind of getting accustomed to. So there's this notion when we have Mercury node that says that we have exciting points of contact with younger people around us and that those points of contact can actually end up being very beneficial for us at the end of the day. Mercury node is also a very good combination for communication and this is something that we're finding within the charts of people who work in the communicative field because Mercury node has to do with intimate connections that are purely based on Mercury. Mercury being communication, how we speak, how we write, how we sing, how we express ourselves verbally within the world. So this can be a wonderful day if you're having something that you want to communicate to the world at large. And it could be a day of just general chatter in the air as well, where it seems as if there is a constant stream of information or there's a constant stream of news that's coming through on this day that catches all of our attention. Now, because it's Mercury, we believe that that news may not necessarily be the most what is the word? The most important news in the world because there's a thing with Mercury where there's a constant stream of little insignificant pieces of information just for the sake of keeping the news channels open. <laughs> and I'm thinking about a particular example of something that happened quite recently. Something that definitely should not have made its way on the news at all, but it made its way on CNN. And I had a good old laugh looking at some of the tweets that people were making that were basically saying, why is this thing even newsworthy to begin with? So this could be one of those days where it seems as if news is just in a constant state of proliferation just because people want to talk and just because that's something that people want to engage in, even if it's not necessarily the deepest or the most profound news in the world. From a medical astrology perspective, Mercury and the node have to do with our sensory system in general and the specific interface between our sensory system and our intimate connections around us. So very often when people are having hard aspects of Mercury and the node within their natal chart, that can be a person who is very overly stimulated by their contacts with others. And that could possibly be because they have so many of these light and constant points of connection with others that their nervous system may be overly stimulated because they're constantly in a state of conversation or they're constantly in a state of communication or they're constantly in a state of engagement with people that causes them to have to quickly turn on but that also causes them to have to quickly process on the spot what the effect of that contact has been and sometimes that can leave a person feeling very deeply unsettled within themselves. 
themselves. So just be mindful of that and also be mindful of the ways how everybody wants to say something on this day and know that if you have something that you need to manifest, then you probably need to turn the blinders on in terms of, or not the blinders, but you probably need to stuff your ears with chewing gum on a day like this. Don't actually do that but you probably need to stuff your ears so that you aren't necessarily being drawn into all of the various conversations that people want to have on a day where there is so much of a chattering influence in the air around us. So that's happening on the 22nd of September. Also on this 22nd of September, we have Mars in a sesquiquadrate relationship with Saturn. And Mars in the sesquiquadrate relationship with Saturn is a very challenging combination. This is going to be happening at 11.22 a.m. EDT. And once again, this is something that you can adjust your own time zone in order to know what that means for you and also in order to know how that's manifesting within your locale. But Mars-Saturn, from a Uranian and a cosmobiology perspective, is known as the death axis. And as a result of that, that's why Mars-Saturn is something that we tend to look for a lot within medical astrology charts, and not necessarily because we're looking for it from the perspective of whatever you have on your Mars-Saturn midpoint is going to kill you. Well... Anyway, <laughs> let's save that for another episode, but not necessarily because that's going to <laughs> hold on. But not necessarily because that's going to be the case that whatever you have on your Mars Saturn midpoint is going to be how you kick the bucket. No. But because the Mars Saturn combination is something that's representing an influence that is directly challenging to our allotment of universal life force energy within this lifetime. So very often when we have a planet that is conjunct our Mars-Saturn midpoint, then that planet can represent a very specific part of our physiology that isn't functioning within this lifetime, and therefore that's a part of our physical constitution that we hold a lot of fear around. So that's just something to be mindful of in general. Now, on this day, from a mundane astrological perspective, Mars-Saturn doesn't necessarily do well in terms of government because Mars-Saturn can indicate a government that's going to operate based on what it wants to do that isn't necessarily in alignment with what the people around them need. So when we see Mars-Saturn from a mundane astrology perspective, that can often manifest as an autocracy. It can oftentimes manifest as a government that's operating from a more autocratic perspective, where they aren't necessarily taking into consideration the needs and the emotions and the expressed concerns of the people who they govern. And therefore, the Mars-Saturn combination is also a combination of turbulence in relationship to the government, but it's also a combination of turbulence within the collective zeitgeist of a population that causes the people to riot and that causes the people to be in a state of chaos and that causes the people to demand justice from their governmental leaders in a way that also may not be the nicest in the world. So this day, the 22nd of September, is looking like a day where very much can go awry within the larger 
collective consciousness of people and so it's a day that we want to be mindful of on this day the 22nd of september at 3 31 p.m we also have the moon applying to a square relationship with the sun and moon square sun if we were to interpret that negatively which i'm never really prone to do because I love my hard aspects. <laughs> There's nothing within my constitution that naturally feels as if the moon square sun is a challenging thing. But if we were to interpret that in a more challenging way, as many people might be prone to interpret the moon in a square relationship with the sun, we might say that that has to do with poor health and low vitality. Because the sun and the moon are the givers of life from a medical astrology perspective. As far back as our astrological history takes us, we see that the sun is considered to be the giver of life within the charts of men, and the moon is considered to be the giver of life within the charts of women. And therefore, if we have these two planets that are specifically meant to give life and to give vitality and to give a sense of abundance, health, and strength to a person in a warlike square aspect, then that can indicate a day where there is poor morale within the collective consciousness of people. But from a medical astrology perspective, it's representing poor health and low vitality in general. From a predictive astrology perspective, when we have the moon and the sun in any major hard aspect relationship, the conjunction, the square, the opposition, in a solar return chart, that is indicating a major chapter year for that person, a year that goes down for the books. And so very often when a person has that combination within their solar return chart, that is a year to remember. What type of memories? No one says that those memories are going to be good memories, and no one has also said that those memories are going to be bad memories. However, the events that transpire within that year of that person's life often tend to be major life-changing events that define the rest of their lives moving forward until the next hard aspect of the moon and the sun within that person's soul return chart. So, with that being the case from a larger collective predictive astrology perspective, we can also apply that to this day where we already see the air running amok with the Mars sesquiquadrate Saturn, which like I said earlier, is a day where the government does its own thing and it says, screw the people because the people don't actually pay the bills. When in fact, the people do actually pay the bills and the people having received the memo that they should be screwed, revolt against the government on days like this because they say, hey, We've actually elected you to be in control. WTF is going on in your universe. Why you think that you can just throw us to the side and make decisions without including us? So this day, the 22nd of September, is looking like a very tricky day in the larger collective consciousness of the world. Not to mention the fact that on this day, the 22nd of September, at 4.20 p.m. EDT, somebody's getting happy someplace, at 4.20 p.m. EDT, we also have the moon ingressing into Capricorn. I could write a whole book, maybe an encyclopedia, about the moon in Capricorn. And once again, you know, I think that as long as I continue to include the moon in these weekly forecasts, I'm going to constantly come up against the parts of myself that does not like to talk about the signs of the zodiac. I don't really like it. 
And I don't like it not because it doesn't work. I do believe that there is something to be gained in us understanding the signs of the zodiac. And as I say that, I can feel my skin breaking out in hives because truthfully, the majority of the astrology that is actually the astrology comes from us understanding how planets interact with each other. And that really should be the direction that we're moving towards as an astrological community. Knowing, like the back of your hand, every articulation of the signs of the zodiac, I'm not going to say it's not really helpful, but in the grand scheme of what an astrologer's practice actually is, the majority of what we do is we interpret the interaction between one planet and another planet. That is where the actual astrology is taking place. The astrology doesn't take place when we count the amount of elements a person has in their chart. It doesn't take place when we count the amount of masculine versus feminine signs that person has within their chart. The astrology takes place when we understand the sort of conversations that planets can have with each other. And I cannot stress that enough. So while I descend into the realm of talking about the moon and Capricorn, I sincerely hope that someone somewhere within our astrological kingdom receives this message that I'm giving to you, which is that in order for us to practice exceptional astrology, we have to have an exceptional understanding of how planets interact with each other. Learn about the signs of the zodiac after that, but primarily focus yourself and invest your efforts in understanding the interaction between planets. Please do, I'm begging. So, now, with that as the disclaimer, moon ingressing into Capricorn. Dorotheus is noted for having said that when a person has their moon within either of the domiciles of Saturn, that person's mother was a slave. I more so find this to be the truth when that person has their moon within the domicile of Saturn, that is Capricorn, that more so ends up being this theme of the person's mother was a slave. And what does it mean for your mother to be a slave? What it means is that your mother is probably overworked and underpaid, and as a result of her and her 13 jobs, she probably doesn't have the ability to show up within your life in a very maternal way. She probably doesn't have the ability to generate the sort of sustenance that you need in order for you to feel mothered or nurtured within this lifetime. So very often when a person is having the moon in Capricorn, they can feel as if they were born on the top of the mountain, out in the cold, in the middle of midwinter, without any of the maternal softness around them that actually encroaches their lives in a warm cloud of protection and safety. So this day was looking bad from the very inception. And now to top it all off, we have the moon ingressing into Capricorn as if we needed that to happen. The 22nd of September isn't really looking like the best day in the sun at all. And I think a word to the wise is sufficient. And what does this mean from an electional astrology perspective? From an electional astrology perspective, this can mean that this isn't necessarily the sky under which we want to initiate anything, basically. Because one, the Mars-Saturn, which <laughs> I think that that's sufficient already, the Mars-Saturn sesquiquadrate is already in effect on this day. Two, the moon ingressing into Capricorn. The moon 
is oftentimes necessary in terms of her ability to bolster anything. And the reason for that is because the moon is the psychic undercurrent of every operation that we do within our lives. Within your birth chart, the moon is the psychic undercurrent and the spiritual tether that keeps you bound to this material world. That is why the moon, even more so than the sun, has the ability to say a direct statement about you and the sort of petri dish within which you've been nurtured within this lifetime because the moon is literally meant to be our cord between our earthly experiences and the celestial influences of the planets above. The moon is the relay point that's meant to transform the cosmic potencies and the cosmic influences of all of the other planets and turn that into astral nutrition that we take into our earthly experience that allows us to live and breathe and have our being, which is why if the moon is not in good shape, that means that everything else usually cracks at the seams. If the moon isn't in good shape in the horary astrology chart reading, everything else is already cracking at the seams because the moon is the cosmic backdrop. She is the keystone that actually allows the entire fabric of that astrological story to coalesce into the form of something that actually makes sense. We need the moon to be doing good things in horary astrology, in electional astrology, in life. So, Therefore, today isn't really a good day. The moon is in Capricorn. I'm not going to labor the point any further because I think that you all have received the memo. Moving on to the 23rd of September, we have the sun in a sesquiquadrate relationship with Jupiter, and that's taking place at 2.48 a.m. EDT. Since this is a solar aspect, this is basically going to be in effect for the rest of the day. Now, also, don't mind the part of the sun being at 29 degrees Virgo, which we know is the anoretic degree. You all know that I don't like the anoretic degree at all. I think it's, you know, as far as challenging things in astrology is concerned, it doesn't really get more challenging than the anoretic degree. What does anoretic degree mean? It means that that is the killing degree, the destruction degree, the ending degree, the omega degree, the all of the things degree. It's really not the best degree at all in any sign of the zodiac. So, you know, there's a little bit of a thing with that. But voila, it's the sun, sesquiquadrate Jupiter. And you can't beat that with a stick. Because the sun, sesquiquadrate Jupiter, has to do with the physical manifestation of success. Physical manifestation is the words provided for us by the sun, and success is the word provided for us by the Jupiter. So sun, sesquiquadrate Jupiter, is the physical manifestation of success. We love that for ourselves because on a day like this, with this sort of astrological influence, we can create successful works within the world. So it's a wonderful day to launch something into the world that you want to be successful. It's a wonderful day to send that newsletter out. It's probably also a good day as far as making a business announcement. I probably wouldn't start my business on this day because 29 degrees of Virgo is the anoretic degree. And technically, that's also opposite the fixed star Shiat. Now, there's been a lot of hoorara, or what's, it's not hoorara, it's brouhaha. There's been a lot of whatever, one of those two things. There's been a lot of contention in the astrological community regarding us taking oppositions to fixed stars. 
I don't know what to say about it because technically none of the fixed stars that we think are where they are are actually where they are with the exception of some very bright fixed stars that might potentially be very close to the ecliptic but for the most part the entire ocean of fixed stars that we use in traditional astrology aren't really that close to our ecliptic zodiacal belt at all so the argument is that because it's already not on the zodiac we shouldn't take oppositions to it. We should only take conjunctions to it because technically speaking, it's not even on our zodiac. So let's keep a narrow framework of how we use the fixed stars and only take the zodiacal conjunction to the zodiacal degree of that fixed star. Be that as it may, I don't like 29 degrees of Pisces or Virgo and I'm going to go to my grave with that because that degree in general is challenging but I do feel as if some of the Shiat influence of 29 degrees Pisces does also wash into this framework. I don't really like 29 degrees of any mutable sign. Truth be told, now that you've gotten me in a tough spot and you're wrangling the truth out of me, I don't really like 29 degrees of any mutable sign. I think that 29 degrees of all of the mutable signs, Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, Pisces, that for me looks like chaos. That is the actual manifestation of chaos. So that is actually going on in the background of my mind while I tell you all of these wonderful things about this sun in the sesquiquadrate relationship with Jupiter. It's a good wrapped up in a not good. However, as far as this week of September is concerned, this is probably the best day that we've seen thus far from a universal perspective because having the Sun and the Jupiter together is a very wonderful thing. From a mundane astrology perspective, it's good for the church, it's good for religious institutions, it's good for all sorts of religious or spiritual organizations, it's a very good day where it seems as if the government has gotten their stuff together, it's a good day in general as far as just using the sun and the Jupiter together from a universal perspective. From an internal medical astrology perspective, you can't beat sun Jupiter with a stick because we like sun Jupiter because it represents a robust health that that person experiences and it represents a very robust constitution that that person has because they have the ability to ward off illnesses and ailments. Now the challenge with the Sun Jupiter and I don't mean to be the Debbie Downer but the challenge with the Sun Jupiter is that the Sun Jupiter very much like Venus Jupiter is a combination of opulence and luxury and it's also a combination of excess. And one of the ways how this access manifests on a physical level is through overeating. So the Sun Jupiter is a combination of overindulgence. It's a combination of having a lack of sobriety. And so the advice for us on this day is even if this day does manifest for us in a wonderful way, we still want to make sure that the things that we're planning on this day have some sense of an earthly anchor to them. Because very often we can get so caught up when it comes to Jupiter. We can get so caught up in doing things that are so heavenly that we lose all sense of of connection to an earthly anchor. So on this day, yes, plan for successful outcomes. Don't overindulge. Don't overeat. And make sure that your successes aren't just something that you're waxing poetic about, but make sure that you actually have a plan to attain those successes, or else you will just be like the puffed up chicken that cried wolf. 
that's not how that story goes. There was no chicken and any wolf, but I think you understand the analogy. Moving on, on this same day, the 23rd of September, at 2.49 a.m., we have the sun ingressing into Libra. There's a part of me within my soul and psyche that feels like I'm going to do a Libra ingress recording on that day, but as I say that, I can feel the hives from earlier re-erupting because I don't necessarily like to work that hard. So who knows, maybe I do a Libra ingress recording and afterwards maybe we throw something on the grill. But for all intents and purposes, the sun is going to be ingressing into Libra on September 23rd at 2.49 a.m. EDT. Sun doesn't like Libra at all. That's what the doctor said. The sun does not like Libra at all. Why is this? It's because the sun is exalted in Aries, which represents the uprushing fires of spring in March. And therefore, when the sun is in Libra, the sun is as far from those uprushing fires of spring as possible. And I don't know about you, but here in Boston, Massachusetts, the weather really made a rapid change really, really quick. And it went from a thousand days of pure sunshine to days of Boston gloom. And that is why we say the sun is in his fall at the beginning of fall. It makes sense. That's where the word fall comes from, because the sun is in the sign of his fall in Libra. And clearly, because the sun is miserable in Libra, that's where Saturn is having the time of his life. So saying all of that to say that the sun in Libra is a little bit of a tricky thing in general. And as we know, if a planet is essentially debilitated, it is essentially debilitated for the entire world, and it is a malefic planet for the entire world world. Now, the sun tends to take on this narrative in a little bit of a different way. It's too much for us to get into right now, but be it resolved, if you have your sun in Libra because you were born between September 23rd and October 23rd, you are not cursed for life, and there is a very good reason for that. So this has nothing to do with your particular sun sign. However, if we're doing things that are definitely of a solar nature, it's not necessarily the best time in the world for that. But since we know it's going to be lasting for an entire month, are we really going to stop all future progress? Because of that, we're probably not going to. So we need to still look for days that align with success, even though we know that for this entire month, the sun is in the sign of his fall. And I'm going to come up with an episode next week about how we can use the sun in Libra and how that actually manifests from a natal perspective and how we can still use the sun in Libra even from an electional astrology perspective, even though the sun is in his fall. So you definitely want to sign up for our newsletter so you can know when that's happening. Now, also on this day, the 23rd of September at 7.15 p.m., we have Mercury in the sesquiquadrate relationship with Pluto. Mercury-Pluto is the combination of the lawyer. And I say that because Mercury is words and Pluto is manipulation. So Mercury-Pluto is a wonderful combination 
for people working within the legal profession. It's a wonderful combination for people who are wordsmiths, who need to use their words in a particular way to get not only their point across, but also to come out victorious. Mercury-Pluto also gives somebody a very sharp and a radiant mind that they know is their strongest asset within this lifetime. So Mercury-Pluto is good for all sorts of cerebral things, but it's also good for salespeople and for making any sort of sales transactions. So this is one of those days that is a good day, even though the sun is in Libra and the sun would have just ingressed into Libra. This Mercury-Pluto combination is wonderful as far as all things having to do with the sales of anything basically now from a medical astrology perspective the mercury pluto can be a little bit challenging because mercury pluto definitely has to do with a nervous system that is overtaxed by insurmountable pressures within life and very often that can cause somebody to have a psychological break because it feels like I am here and I have to carry all of these things, not on my physical shoulders, but on the shoulders of my psyche itself. People who have Mercury and hard aspect with Pluto within their charts find a way to split themselves so that they can compartmentalize the experiences that they're having that are overly intense for them and also the experiences that they want to have in order to live life in general. We all have our coping mechanisms, but it's important for us to remember that coping is not healing. Coping is just coping. When we say that somebody has strong coping mechanisms, what that means is that that person has allowed themselves to become as comfortable as they can possibly be within an overarching stressful situation. And we need to stop celebrating that because that isn't necessarily a healthy way to live. Coping is not healing. Coping is just coping. And coping means that we are actually allowing ourselves not to look at the content within our lives that does need to change and that does need to transform because we have allowed ourselves to become as comfortable as we possibly can with the larger environment of discomfort that we find ourselves currently in. It's not healthy. Blink twice if you're in trouble. So moving on to the last day of the week, September 24th, we have the last aspect the moon is going to make before she goes void, of course, is going to be her conjunction to Pluto at 4.05 p.m. EDT at 27 degrees Capricorn, 57 minutes. As you all know, I love astrological research. Every time I give a reading, I'm conducting astrological research. I did my Moon Chiron astrological research, which is why we now know that Moon Chiron is the most awful thing a person can have in their chart as far as their relationship to their mother is concerned. I've done the Venus Chiron research, I've done the Mercury Chiron research, and now I'm currently, I don't think I'm currently, but the Moon Pluto research has pushed itself to the forefront of my astrological endeavors, whether I like it or not. Moon Pluto is the combination of the manipulative mother. And that is Moon Pluto in any sort of hard aspect combination. That can be Moon parallel Pluto, Moon contra parallel Pluto, Moon conjunct Pluto, semi square, square, sesqui quadrate, opposition, Moon quincunx Pluto. All of the Moon Pluto formulas gives us the manipulative mother. What does this mean? Very often, when a person has Moon Pluto within their chart, they feel as if they were born into a life with a mother who was cruel 
essentially. Because Moon Pluto can also be interpreted as the cruel woman. So very often they feel as if they were born into a life with a mother or with a larger matriarchal presence within their life that was fundamentally cruel to them. And I'm recalling Cinderella and her stepmother and her band of ugly stepsisters being cruel to her because of who she was. And so this can manifest within the lives of people who have mourned Pluto. And also, caveat, I would like to believe that at the Oracular School of Astrology, we are growing a particular type of astrologer and a particular type of astrological listening community who, when I say mourn Pluto creates dot, 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 you don't just take that and run with that. Clearly, we would like to see other corroborating factors within the chart of that person that also confirms our notion that this person has cruel women within their lives. Let's move on. So the moon Pluto can manifest as an overpowering, domineering, cruel woman within the life of a person, and cruel for no reason. And a part of that cruelty narrative can be that that person goes through manipulative circumstances with their mother, and that their mother always finds a way to make them feel as if one, the circumstances they're going through is their fault, or two, the circumstances they're going through is something all in their head. So Moon Pluto can also be a combination for the gaslighting mother, the mother who gaslights. <laughs> I mean, that's just how that manifests. And very often when that happens, we find ourselves with a mother who says to us that it wasn't real. I didn't actually tell you that I adopted you when you were seven years old. I didn't actually abuse you in the ways you say I abused you. I didn't actually chain you to the floor in the bedroom and lock the door behind you. I didn't actually do any of those things. Where are you making all of those things up from? Do you want to be the end of this family? That usually can be a narrative that we find with people who have the hard aspect of the moon Pluto within their chart. It can manifest as, I never did those things to you. What are you talking about? And because the Pluto is a master manipulator, the people within that person's life might say, your mother is the best person in the world. I want that mother for myself. Your mother is so amazing. Your mother is the best thing since sliced bread. However, Moon Pluto manifests more often than not as the manipulative mother. I've recently said also that Moon Pluto is the mother who didn't breastfeed you. And in the absence of breastfeeding you, she fed you celery, <laughs> or she fed you carrot sticks, or she fed you something that she shouldn't have been feeding the baby. She shouldn't have been feeding you that thing. But she fed you everything else other than her breast milk. And the reason for that is because she says, I'm not a cow. My breasts were not made to feed or to nurture anyone. I don't want to ruin my beautiful breasts. Go eat some Oreos. And so that's something that we oftentimes find within the charts of people who have mourn Pluto. Now, the reason why I bring in that part of the narrative is that it doesn't matter if she gave her breast milk away to every sibling you had before you. The fact of the matter is that she didn't give it to you. 
And therefore, that creates a narrative within your consciousness that says, what's wrong with me? Why didn't I deserve to have that same nourishment and to have that same level of nutrition within my life? Why didn't I deserve to have that same sort of proximity to you, mom? Why does my sister and my brother deserve the lifeblood that comes out of you, but I am made to drink the Similac? Is the question that we find with that. The reason I bring up the nutrition part of things is that Moon Pluto is one of the most challenging medical astrology aspects from the perspective of digestive health. I've also found this to be true in my Moon Chiron research. I've also found this to be true in my Moon Neptune research. Moon Pluto is one of the most challenging, painful, traumatic digestive system stories, gut health stories that we can find within the context of our astrological practice. And it's important for us to be able to trace the golden thread of how these things occur within a person's life. Very often the things that end up ailing us in life later on have a direct association with the concrete life experiences that we've had. So if you were raised in a family with a mother who was cruel to you, mean to you, abusive to you for no reason whatsoever, a mother who didn't breastfeed you but breastfed everybody else, a mother who gaslit you your entire life, who made you feel as if you were delusional, as if the abuses and the atrocities that she has specifically done to you are things that you have made up in your mind, then it creates a fundamental hole within our gut. And that hole within the gut can oftentimes manifest as the most painful digestive system stories that you will ever hear. I can't absorb the nutrients correctly. My body isn't able to process the iron that is found in meat, but meat is the richest source of iron there is, so therefore I am anemic because I have an iron deficiency. A section of my colon has had to be removed because of me having a bacterial overgrowth within my colon. I've had stomach cancer. I've had this thing. I've had next thing, stomach ulcers, the whole nine yards. Leaky gut, which is technically not a medical diagnosis, diagnosis and there is no doctor who will ever diagnose you and tell you that you have leaky gut but leaky gut which is a thing that people experience within themselves could also be a part of that because the narrative is that I was not given a fundamental emotional and spiritual nourishment that I should have received as a child and therefore as an adult my body has registered those memories within my very physiology and is manifesting those things within my life as a gut that doesn't work. Why am I going into all of this on this one day the 24th of September? I'm going into all of this because one if you didn't know the things I just said about the moon Pluto, you need to know them. And I'm using this weekly forecast to hopefully teach people concrete astrology that they can actually start to look for within the context of their client practice. So I have a hidden agenda. However, that is a very important thing to know about this day. And it's also important to know that if you are someone who has the moon, Pluto, and hard aspect within your chart, and on this day, you're feeling some of those demons from your own familial story or your own maternal story starting to come up or starting to scratch to the surface of your consciousness once again, then just know that the experiences that you've been through are valid. 
the sorts of things that you've experienced in terms of your maternal story are valid. And no matter what amount of anybody saying to you in your life that you're delusional, it didn't happen, it didn't happen, it didn't happen, the things that you know for a fact you've experienced within this lifetime are absolutely valid. And as a result of those things, you know the truth. You know the truth about the people in your life. You know the truth about that specific person in your life who did those atrocities to you. And you do not have to continue living under the heaviness or under the weight of that influence anymore. Because if there is one thing our astrology does is it gives us the ability to realize the truth within our stories so that we no longer have to be burdened by the pain within those stories. So... The Bible says, consider it all joy when you go through pain and diverse situations. Jeremiah 12.5 says, if you run with men on foot and they tire you out, how can you expect to run with horses? People who have Moon Pluto as a story within their chart are people who have had to run on foot their entire lives, and they may have had to do that in relationship to their family. However, that has given them truly a gut of steel and has given them the ability to process the things that life brings their way, and it's given them the ability to stand in that liminal space of pain and passage through pain for other people as well. So if you're somebody who has this moon Pluto signature within your chart and your moon is also receiving other afflictions within your chart that aren't just the moon's corporal conjunction to Pluto, then you can use those experiences in your life because your life has specifically built you to help people navigate their own journey through trauma and pain. And there is no one better in this world to help those people through that navigatory process than you. Moving on through on the same September 24th at 7.29 p.m. EDT, we have the moon ingressing into Aquarius. And like I said earlier, we have this notion that when the moon is in any of the domiciles of Saturn, it sets a person up to have a mother who was a slave. This seems to be a day where there is a very strong maternal peace in the air. However, I've told you what to do about it in terms of the moon Pluto. Now the moon in Aquarius, from a medical astrology perspective, moon in Aquarius can oftentimes manifest as varicosity or as varicose veins. And this is definitely the truth if you have the moon in Aquarius receiving the square relationship from Neptune or receiving the square relationship from Saturn. That can create obstructions within the venous system of the body, and it can create varicose veins within the body as well. So that's something that we find with the moon in Aquarius. And I don't really have much to say about it from a universal perspective, other than the moon-Saturn combination, which is how I think about the moon in Aquarius. The moon-Saturn combination is a combination that gives us the ability to be detached. And sometimes it's important for us to step away from the muck and the mire. And sometimes it is important for us to take a stance of detachment so that we can do the work that needs to be done. So use this day, the 24th of September, to step into a place where you're detaching yourself from some of those things that feel overly taxing and overly toxic within your own story so that you can actually do the work that you're needing to accomplish on this day.
And finally, on this day, we have the sun in a quincunx relationship with Saturn, and that's literally ending the day at 11.09 p.m. EDT. Sun, quincunx, Saturn is not good. I was recently giving a weekly forecast for, I think it was Astrology Hub. I love Astrology Hub. If you all don't know by now that Michael Bryan loves Astrology Hub, I love Astrology Hub. Astrology Hub was the first platform to ever give me a space in this entire astrological kingdom to have a voice with a much larger community than the community that I had specifically built. And I was connected to many astrology organizations at that point in my life, but none of them gave me a platform to teach or to speak or to share my brand of astrology until Astrology Hub did that. Therefore, the people at Astrology Hub could have the shirt off of my back because real recognizes real, and I love you, Astrology Hub. Now, moving on. I was giving a forecast for Astrology Hub recently, and I read the comments, which is the worst thing to do. Never read the comments. However, if you comment on this video, I will read your comments. But don't read the comments. And somebody said, Oh, Michael Bryan is here again. He's so negative. <laughs> Every time he comes on the show, he always is saying something. He's always predicting death and damnation and 12 years of plagues and all sorts of things. Oh, Michael Bryan. I don't know what to do. At the beginning of 2020, I looked at the sky and I was like, shit, this doesn't look like a good year coming up. However, there were other astrologers who were saying, oh, 2020 is the best year in the universe. Sell your car, sell your house, go on a trip, go traveling in March. <laughs> go traveling in April 2020. That's the best time to travel. And people said that. People went on national TV and said that. And we all saw how 2020 panned out. So I do think that in astrology, if we see something, we have to say something. And this false narrative of everlasting positivity, it doesn't actually serve anyone. And we need to be able to tell the truth. Because only only from the perspective of telling the truth can we actually practice a version of astrology that is helpful for people. If you can spot out the challenges that the person is facing within their life, and if you talk about every other wonderful thing about that person, but you can't talk about the core structural difficulties that that person is having within this lifetime, then you would have done a disservice to that person because you wouldn't have spoken to the heart of where that person's learning takes place the most within this incarnation. So anyway, the 24th of September, last aspect on the 24th of September is awful. It is the sun in the quincunx relationship with Saturn, which really isn't good at all. Sun, quincunx, Saturn has to do once again with the autocratic leader because Sun Kwing Kung Saturn says that these leaders don't learn and they run up against their own mistakes time and time again. So on this day, we might find ourselves in a situation where we are globally once again being made aware of the mistakes of the leaders who are put in positions of authority over countries and communities. And I think that that serves as a learning lesson for us all to be more mindful about what we do when we're placed in roles of authority. From a medical astrology perspective, Sun-Saturn has to do with the curses of our ancestors. Does that have an O in it? Ancestors. Yes, it does. It has to do with the curses of our ancestors. Ancestors. Whatever. It has an O in it. The point of the matter is the Sun-Saturn has to do with our hereditary karma and how we can inherit certain patterns of negative health conditions 
and how those patterns can follow us for seven generations. It's important for us to know on this day that the things that we're doing hold weight and the things that we're doing hold gravity and that we're only doing things on this day that we're willing to put our soul behind and that we're willing to put our own allotment of universal life force energy behind. Because if you're not willing to put yourself behind a particular activity that you are co-creating, then it stands to reason that you don't need to be a part of that activity at all. From a physical perspective or from a psychological perspective, Sun, Quincung, Saturn can always put us in dilemmas where we don't necessarily know what constitutes the right course of action because it makes a real challenge within ourselves surrounding understanding what constitutes right versus wrong. And not necessarily wrong from the perspective that we're going to murder someone, but wrong from the perspective of we probably don't know what to do and that Sun, Saturn, Quincunx isn't making our thought process that much easier. So today, if you can avoid having to make big decisions in general, I would say do so because it isn't really looking like a day for it. The 25th is looking like a day for it, but I'm not going to talk about the 25th. You would have to join us next time to find out all about why the week of September 20th is a much better week for the sort of decision-making processes that lead us down a successful path than what this day, the 24th of September, is giving us. Thank you so much for joining me once again here on the Oraculos podcast. I'm really feeling myself in these week-long forecasts, and I'm really enjoying having the ability to be able to share this quality of astrology with you. I've wanted to do this for a long time, and so hopefully you're getting something from it. Please do remember that this is the last week that you have to join this year's installment of our Professional Astrologers Diploma Program, as well as our Medical Astrology Diploma Program, as you can see, I have a lot to say about medical astrology, and I have packaged that into our two-year diploma program that I can't wait to share with you starting this month. So by all means, please make sure that you sign up for those programs. At the Oraculos School of Astrology, we believe in practicing concrete event-based astrology that works. And the reason why we believe in that is because we know that astrology works. And my tiny threat that I keep giving my students is that the year 2025 is going to be the year when the astrologer is asked to stand on the world stage and really say to the world and demonstrate for the world what it is we can do. So let's do the math together. If our professional astrologer's diploma program starts in 2023, and it's a two-year program, that means you'll be graduating in 2025 with lightning-sharp astrological skills that have the ability to help you practice, but also demonstrate astrology in a way that genuinely demands respect in any arena. So if you want to practice that quality of astrology, and if anything that we do here at the Oraculos School of Astrology has been inspiring for you, then by all means, do consider joining us in our upcoming Professional Astrologers Diploma Program. Also, if you haven't already subscribed to the Oraculos Podcast on YouTube, please do so. Hit the notification bell so that you receive notifications about when I come out with these videos on a daily basis. And if you listen to us on 
Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, then please leave us a review because those things go a long way in terms of the algorithm promoting the Oraculos podcast so that more and more people can know about the amazing work that we're doing here at the Oraculos School of Astrology. And if you don't currently follow us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please follow us on those platforms as well because Oraculos is a grassroots initiative. It's my grassroots initiative. I don't really have the biggest team behind me here. So everything that you can do in terms of supporting the sort of work that we do here at the Oraculos School of Astrology will benefit our message and will benefit what we're trying to do in the world. I have an amazing team, and that team consists of Kiami and Dumama Navaz. However, we're a very tiny team. So please support us in any way you can. Until next time, I'm Michael A. Bryan, leaving you in peace and love and hope until we meet again. Have a good one. Bye-bye.